Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to the State of America podcast. I am your host, David, as always, and my other host is my good buddy from New York, Mr. Ian Rice. Ian, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm hanging in there, you know? Long day, long cold day up here, you know? Long day here. Uh, it's been windy. <sighs> Cool, cool for us. It's, I think it's getting down into the 30s tonight. So, I mean, it's, you know, short sleeve weather for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm one of those odd people that wears short sleeves like year round, though. So, <laughs> see, I kind of like being that guy that shows up with shorts on sometimes and it's like 35 outside. Like, like if it's on a Saturday morning, I go to get breakfast somewhere and I'll just put on like a pullover and a pair of shorts, you know, just to be that guy. Oh, you're, you're, yes, you're him. I know you. <laughs> hey, before we get started, I want to catch everybody up to date on our social media activity. We do have a Twitter at State of Amorca, and we have our Facebook page, State of Amorca Podcast, and we have an Instagram page, State of Amorca. And uh, our Twitter numbers, we've gotten up over 600 now, which is which is really cool. And uh, if you're on there, I highly, highly suggest go to our page, click on the little bell at the top where you get notifications. Because uh, I frequently do hashtag turn on your notifications. And when I do that, that usually means that things start popping up in people's inbox on Twitter, DMs, whatever you want to call it, um, and uh, have some tasty nuggets to put out there. And I've, man, I've given away a ton of stuff. And I usually try to do it sometimes in, in increments of 10, like 10 people that respond or whatever. So if you follow us, turn on your notifications. And that way, uh, as soon as I tweet out a contest, uh, you'll be able to uh, respond. And uh, feel free to share us with people that you think would like our podcast. You can share their our Twitter page or our Facebook page. And thank you so much for everybody for the um, Apple Podcast reviews. Those are really helping us. That's helping like us link up with some other bigger podcasts. And so uh, the more we do that, the easier it'll be for us to get some uh, big fish reeled in. Isn't that right, Ian? That's right, and we are now, from what I understand uh, from you, we are showing up in the You May Also Like uh, section of some other podcast, so that's a good thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So we really appreciate that. Ian does a good job with the uh, Facebook page and the Instagram page. I'm going to try to be more active on that. It's kind of hard. Uh, uh, really, it's not so much to post on there as it is other things, but I'm going to try to build that up some. So if you hadn't followed us on there uh, give us a follow. I may start trying to do some type of contest on uh, Instagram, but uh, other than that, man, we're rolling along. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, in a, no- a little note about the Facebook page because that's that's my scene, and I uh, I do the best I can to get back to everybody and respond and and do all those things. But if you don't uh, hear from me or David immediately, uh, from my own standpoint, uh, sometimes I just. Uh, I'm a little technologically unsound, and I miss things, but I eventually will come back around to them. So uh, don't be disappointed if I'm not uh, immediately on top of something that you uh, send or post or whatever. Yeah, and that goes for our email, too. Sometimes we have a hard time keeping up with um, email. Some of you write us some really long things on email, and we really appreciate that. And don't think that means we don't appreciate you or don't read it. It's just uh, sometimes life gets in the way. 
Yeah, and you know, sometimes uh, somebody sends something particularly lengthy and meaningful, and I, 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 I read it, but I put it aside because I want to respond to it at a time where I can put an equal amount of thought into it. So, yeah, we've actually gotten some really good episode suggestions through our email. Yes, uh, that uh, we're gonna work, find a way to work into the rotation in the future. Um, well, so last week, I'm sure if you were a long time. Black Crow's message board member, when you saw the an episode pop up that said Hager, uh, I'm sure you thought, well, this is going to be interesting. Steve was great to have on. Um, I, we really enjoyed talking to him. And as you can hear at the end of that podcast, he said he wants to come on again. So he'll come on again soon. But it was kind of cool uh, getting to actually see and talk to the myth. And he's actually taken some steps to help us get some other people on. So uh he's a he's a look folks he's a nice guy nice guy and uh we had a lot of fun uh getting to chat with him and uh, i've actually talked to him over the phone now a couple of times and we communicate on facebook messenger good guy man good guy he just wants to get the music out there yes everybody always talks to to david privately nobody seeks me out it's that southern charm that you always tell me about you know it's got to be good for something (laughs) so our interview this week is one that Ian and I have been working on for a very long time yes. and uh, trying to line up schedules and um, how we were going to do it. And um, it finally paid off and we interviewed her. Charity, as everybody knows, was a longtime backup singer for the Crows and in Magpie. Ian and I both sent each other a text after it was over with. One of the best things we've done podcasting was interviewing her. She was amazing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, obviously everybody knows of her from the uh, from the uh, backup singer position, and and you know, in the episode I say it, and I will maintain it now. Uh, you know, it's uh, the time that she was involved with the band it was the best time for the backup singers. You know, really added a lot of power to it and and soul, and I, and I really always appreciated her work that and in the Magpie Salute. But you know, when you when you set up these interviews, you know, you don't know who you're. Uh, who you're going to get, you know, personality wise and things like that. And I got to tell you, Charity is probably one of the nicest people I've ever spoken to. One of the sweetest people I've ever spoken to and really has a, a positive energy that, that comes through while you're talking to her and makes you excited to talk to her about things. You know, I could, we could have gone on much longer, you know, but uh, we don't like to uh, be greedy with people's time, you know? Yeah. Originally it was supposed to be like 15 or 20 minutes and I think it wound up going like 50 minutes and then, she stayed on afterwards and talked to us for another 10 or 15 minutes. And a um, couple of things that you're going to find out in this is she really enjoyed her time with the band. Mm. She has the utmost respect for those guys. And she also thinks that Chris should do a soul R&B and funk album. I know that made your day, didn't it? And it, she was on board with that idea. It really did. But yeah, it just struck me. Just She was just so nice and she's very candid in the uh, in the interview about her time in the Crows and just how much respect she has for them. And I think uh, Chris and Rich have done a lot for her. And um, I, I think she appreciates that. And she, as she mentioned, she, you know, she supports them. So uh, just a real treat to talk to. And hopefully at some point, maybe she'll agree to come on again and we can do something specific, like maybe just talk about a specific tour or a specific show or w- something that she was involved in. David and I do the uh, the podcast here via Skype because we're in two different locations, me being in New York and um, David being in Mississippi. 
So we are on a video feed. So everybody that's on with us is also on video. And, you know, Charity, it was so nice. It was a little touch. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you picked up on it, David, but she she came prepared. She was wearing a a black rose sweatshirt. She was like dressed for the occasion. I thought that was that was really and, and I've a never, sweet thing. I've never seen that sweatshirt before. Yeah, but she uh, she talks in an interview about she has all the shirts from all the tours and everybody they opened for and played with. So it was it was really, really good. And that's actually the kind of interview that Ian and I have really wanted to start having. People that were part of the operation, I guess you could say. And, you know, she had a front row seat to a lot of history uh, as she talks about that 0506 tour, how special it was. And uh, she has a uh, she's really fond of Ed. And I mean, who isn't? But um, I know. It, it, these are the kind of interviews that we're really working hard trying to get. There's some other people, and hopefully now you know we can tell people we've interviewed Steve Gorman, we've interviewed Matt Slocum, we've interviewed Charity, and it it, it gives us a bit of ability to maybe get some people that maybe didn't want to talk so much because we're not here to dig through a bunch of dirt on everybody. We're here to talk about the Black Crows and and celebrate their music, and so. Uh, I think some people have been a little leery of us, but uh, people like her having them on, it helps us realize that we're not trying to dig up all the dirt on everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking with somebody with the energy like hers is, uh, you know, there's a positivity for the band. So we're trying to present the band's history and everything and and their presence and everything in a positive light. And interviews like like the one we have with Charity kind of feed into that. You know, she has a, a very strong reverence for the band and, and an appreciation for her time with them. So, and, and that comes through in what she says and, and how she acts. And it was just great. It was great all over. All right. Well, that's enough talking from us. Thank you everybody for listening. And here is charity code. Ian, when we started our podcast, we uh, had a lot of people reach out to us about certain people they wanted on. Obviously, they wanted members of the band on, and we've had some of that uh, in the past and hope to have it in the future. But one of the names that kept popping up was uh, one of the backup singers for the Crows. Uh, We all know about Mona and Charity and uh, how much they brought to the band and added to uh, the sound and the, the, the live feel and the vibe and also uh, to the Magpie Salute. So we were able to get in touch with Charity and uh, get this interview set up. And it is a great privilege to welcome to the State of America Charity Co. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy that you guys reached out. I do apologize how long it took for us to, to get this this happening. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm always better late than never right yes no it's great thank you for coming on we really do appreciate it no problem well charity um when we when i was doing some research yesterday uh because i I knew you from the crows and uh obviously your mother mona and Mm -hmm. um 
kind of walk everybody through your musical heritage, how you got into music. Because when I saw who all your mother had recorded with or sang uh-huh. for, like I had to take, it was like this long. And I had to take like three <laughs> screenshots to send yeah. it in. And I go, this is insane. It's literally every walk of music you can think of. So mm-hmm. obviously you grew up in a very musical family. But um, Correct. how did you get along your way in, in getting to getting to be with the black crows. Like obviously you started singing at a young age, I would think. And and you're, and you're absolutely correct. I did start singing at a young age and, and, um, I had been a professional singer for quite some time. Um, starting in my teens, I was a part of a, of a children's group called, um, all God's children that the executive producer was Lou Adler of the mamas and the papas. And, um, my dad was, the producer. However, you know, along the lines of how I just really got into um, the position of singing with the Black Crows was that, you know, my mom had sang with them for, you know, a few years before I came on board. And um, the other singer was Portia Griffin. And Portia is also a part of the Sweet Inspirations that toured behind Elvis. And so that year when they decided to get back together and um, kick things off again, Portia was unavailable because she was going to be, well, she was unavailable for, a ter- it's supposed to be for roughly three to four months. And um, the crazy thing is I was living in Okinawa, Japan. Wow. Yeah. And my mom called me and she said, uh, Charity, I said, hey, mom, you know, we just having a regular mom-daughter conversation. She said, what would you think if I asked you if you'd be interested in coming to sing with me with the Black Crows on tour for a couple of months? And I and I told her I was like, sure. <laughs> and she was like, really? You 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 would do it? I said, yeah. Um, at the time, my husband was deployed, and um, he was on. He was he was he was deployed at the time, even though we lived in Okinawa. And so I said, sure, I can, I can take a flight to California. And she was like, I'll teach. She said, I, I know all the music. I have all the music. We can rehearse and stuff so you can get familiar with the music. And um, it was so crazy because Amy, Amy Finkel, was, it was the tour manager at the time. And, of course, whenever you bring in a background singer, um, nine times out of ten, it's another singer that brings you in for that group. And because my mom, you know, I had never, of course, sang with the Crows before. And me being her daughter, uh, you know, they were like, well, Mona, we trust you. If you say that she she has the capability to do everything that you say she can, then, you know, um, you can, you know, we'll go ahead and try it. And since it was only for a couple of months, the expectation was I wasn't going to be there long. I was just filling in for Portia Griffin. However, of course, as we can see, that story that story definitely changed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you were you started during a very exciting time for a lot of Crows fans because it was 2005 when they got back together. And, of course, yes. Mark of Horde came back. And so, I mean, what was it like on that first tour for you? Was it, was it an exciting atmosphere? It, it was a very exciting atmosphere. And, you know, due to the fact that, you know, Mona Lisa Young being my mother and, you know, she has such a high a high expectation of professionalism as well as, you know, her, you know, just her voice period, you know, I knew I had big shoes to fill. And so it was so crazy because, 
every time people would see us, they would be like, Mona, Portia, Mona, Portia. They would always call me Portia. And I'm like, no, it's charity, you know. And, um, but, you know, as you know, on, on one of the songs, Chris calls out, Mona, Portia, sing something, you know. And so um, when people would see us, they would just assume that it was Mona and Portia. But no, it was Charity and Mona. However... The atmosphere was amazing. It was, you know, electric. The rehearsals were, it was, I could not believe that someone with so much soul out of this little frail body, it was, it was, it was just amazing. And to know that um, he had those type of capabilities, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I always tell Chris, you know, I think you're a black man trapped in a white man's body. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's just because of his 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 personality and how, you know, he's just up in your face and he he loves to tell jokes and he's he's so hilariously funny. It's amazing. Um, and sometimes when he says stuff, you're like, OK, is he joking or is he serious? Because he's always <laughs> so funny. And I didn't really know Mark Ford's his his I didn't know his background I didn't know much about Mark Ford so me coming in to this band at such a young age it was more so of like I was learning you know who they really were I didn't I didn't know that I knew that they were successful you know in the 90s but you know I didn't know like the whole history and and so the more and more that I learned I I really felt like I was, I really felt so lucky to be given that type of opportunity to be with such a well-established, respected band. And their musicianship is just amazing, you know, to, to go and see a band that plays a different show every night. That's hard. (laughs) There's nothing easy about that. When you go to concerts, (laughs) you normally see the same concert, right? Right. Whether it's, you know, from Beyonce to, you know, whatever artist that's their show but to know that you're going to sing you know different songs every single night you have to have the uh, the, the the catalog mind of an encyclopedia well as <laughs> as astute musicians as they are and if anything they are great musical historians and they really respect you know what came before them i would think your mother carried a lot of weight with them uh with all who all she had worked for because she had sang with Many of their he- many, yeah, many of their heroes, you know. Yes. So I've got to think that if she says my daughter can, she can cut it. They're they're going <laughs> to go with it. Had you had any interaction with them prior to that? Prior to that, because I was in Okinawa, and when she went on her, when she went on the last tour that they had before they took their mini hiatus, is what I call it. I hadn't had any real interactions with them before. I met them at Soundcheck and it was like, okay, you know, we're going to sing soul singing. And I got up to my mic and my mom got to her mic. And when we sang, you know, Chris turned around and was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes you'll see him do that on stage where he'll give you that, that look like, yeah, you know, keep it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was the thing. I had never had any, any type of um, conversations. I didn't even know, like know them. Like I was never introduced because when she went out on tour with them, um, I believe they were in Russia when she came in and um, she came in right to a show that, you know, to watch them perform. And then she went right on the road with them after. 
So there wasn't, you know, an opportunity for me to be a part of any um, previous conversations. What's a typical day like on tour? You know, what what goes on? What goes on? <laughs> well, you know, like, what, what do you, how do you feel? No, just kind of like, like a yeah. routine. I've always wondered because, like, I'm a creature of routine. And, like, I feel like if I was on tour, like, my whole world would be rocked because, like, you wake up in a different place. Like, so you wake up in the morning and, I mean, obviously y'all are on a tour bus. But, like, you, you know, mm-hmm. you get to the where you're playing. Like, I've always heard that you the musicians don't get paid for the two hours they're on stage. They get paid for the 22 hours they have to sit around. Uh, that's what, that's what you're paying because they're, you know, they're doing something like kind of what's a day like when you're on tour. I've just always wondered that, especially, you know, cause they're road dogs. They're always on the road. And so I just wonder like for you, like what was your typical day like? Well, a typical day normally. Um, so normally when we, when we, we fly into, um, an airport, of course, and sometimes we get right on the bus and, you know, drive to the, either the next city or we fly into a hotel. Um, and then the next day we normally get on the tour bus. Normally the tour bus meets us at that hotel that, that of that city um, state that we fly into. And we go to sound check. We go to sound check. We, you know, we run through what the set list would be for that show that evening after sometimes we change things around um sometimes there's you know there's like at soundcheck things get changed around or the order of the songs or what have you and after soundcheck we um normally go to dinner you know and that's normally at the gig and we sit we all sit down and we catch up and have conversations about you know family or you know what we did on our off time And then we normally have before, after dinner, we normally have sometimes two to three hours where, you know, you use that time to really, you know, just decide, okay, what am I going to wear? What is it going to, you know, what, what shoes am I going to wear tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Anything? Do I want to wear a hat? Do I not want to wear a hat? You know, stuff of that nature. And then once we, you know, get on stage, we do the show. We get off stage, you know, sometimes we have more conversations. Sometimes I'll go into, you know, the band room and we'll talk about, you know, hey, you know what, that 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 really came out great tonight. Like, especially if we're doing a cover. Um, sometimes even before the show, we'll rehearse the cover. Like, we'll sit down with Rich and he'll have the guitar, you know, just to work out some harmonies, you know, so that the guys can also be a part of whatever harmonies are going to be for, for that song. And then, you know, we get on the bus and we travel to the next destination. And normally um, the, the most the, the funnest part is when we go, for example, when we all go out to eat together or we all go bowling together or, you know, there's something that it's an off day and we're going to, you know, all the band and, you know, the crew, we're going to all go and, and hang out. Those are some of the most funnest times because that's when we really get to just not even think about work and we're, we're talking about music or we're just talk we're just catching up as a big family because honestly we're literally a huge family out there on the road. But getting up off the bus at three four o'clock in the morning in the next state, <laughs> it can be a drag going into the hotel, getting you know getting into your bed and then you know 
getting getting to sleep at really getting to sleep at five o'clock in the morning because it's broken sleep because you slept some on the bus. And, um, you know, I normally would get up like around 10, 11, watch my soap operas, (laughs) (laughs) Um, get some breakfast. And then normally by 2.30, between 2.30 and 4 o'clock, you know, depending on whatever time the show is, normally that's the time where, you know, we're picked up from the hotel and we go to the gig, you know, to do it all over again. Well, you were talking about Chris and and his how soulful his voice is and how he can sing. I've talked on here a couple of times. He's he's mentioned that he's working on a solo record right now. I really think he should do a soul R and B and funk record. I think he I think he would be great at it because he he love he loves that music. It's clear that he does, and he mm-hmm. sings you know sings with. Do you think that would be a? You think he'd be able to pull that off? I definitely think that he would be able to pull that off. That would be an amazing. For him, that would be an amazing crossover. However, if you if you take all of the musical instrumentation out of out of it, and he's just singing a cappella, that's how it comes across as soul funk. Um, now he can well, we know that, but just his placement of um, of, of where he puts you know, the lyrics and, and his emphasis on different notes and, and how he sings just is, is more so to me, it's not really bluegrass. It's more so of, you know, kind of like funk Mm -hmm. because it has so much soul to it. Um, he's not screaming, he's not yelling, but he's, he's literally singing from that core. It's, it really is funk and you're, you're absolutely right. I think that he could pull it off. See, David, you got an official backing on that on that uh, <laughs> theory there. So, if if he, if, I mean, but, uh, why not? Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, well, let me let me ask you this because we we're obviously diehard Black Crows fans, and sometimes the Black Crows fan base can get kind of negative and kind of turn on one another. But one thing you've never yeah. seen, they don't turn on the backup singers because never. You, it's it's unanimous how much <laughs> how much you guys brought to the table. I mean. You can listen to some shows when 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 y'all weren't there, and it la- it's lacking. You know, it added a certain vibe to it, especially songs like "Soul Singing" and "Only Halfway to Everywhere." I mean, "Horsehead." Oh, you know, you know, "Horsehead." <laughs> y'all just kill it. Was it, did you ever feel like any stress knowing that this is a band that has a very dedicated, loyal fan base, and sometimes with that, people can nitpick. I mean, we did you ever feel pressure or is it just something you say, I can, I can just do my best and, and we'll see how it goes? You know, I never felt pressure in regards to the fans' acceptance. Um, because anytime someone reached out to me or said, Charity, can you sign an autograph or wanted to take a picture, I was always more than willing. Um, the fans have been so gracious to me. Um, especially with the fact that I wasn't Portia (laughs) (laughs) and even due to, you know, when my, like when my son passed, um, and I was on the road, I got a lot of cards and, and different things in the mail from the fans who, who really, who really made that connection that they recognized that I had a major loss, but they've always like, especially the front row. Like, I can just <laughs> go down the line and name all of their names. And if, even if you go down my Facebook page, you'll see that I have a lot of them who are fans. I don't I don't have a fan page. I just have my personal page. And 
And I've, I've thought about making a fan page, like, for Facebook, but I feel like your fans are, are an extension of you. And um, they've always been so welcoming. And the, my expectation, and I hope I've never let them down in regards to my, my vocal capability and what I brought to the band. I would say that the biggest stressor was, was never the fans. It was, it was more so making sure that Chris and Rich were pleased with the product that I was, that I was bringing forth. Um, because when you have, uh, even when we had double set lists, you have a double set list. And, you know, if you think of all this, all the albums of the Black Crows and all the covers that they will also include, that's a that's a huge catalog. And you just want to always do your best. And that's just something that I hope that I was always able to bring forth was that they were always satisfied and happy with what I added to their music because their music is literally amazing. In my personal opinion, I'm not just saying this, that uh, <laughs> the, the, you, the time period where that you and, and your mother were the, the backup singers was the strongest time for the, for that in the band and the best you know, representation of what that could bring to the music. So it was, it was fantastic. And then I was very excited when, you were a part of the original Magpie Salute lineup that really made it that how did you how did you become involved in that? You know, this is crazy. And it's it's not a crazy story, but it's a it's kind of a crazy story. So I was at work and Eric Preto is if you know Eric Preto, he's he's been, you know, a guitar tech for with us with the with the band for a long time. Even when I came in, I want to say back in 2005, he was teching for, was he teching for Mark at the time? You know, sometimes, you know, they jump from side to side. Um, but, you know, he's been a guitar tech for Mark for before, for definitely for Chris and for Rich. And Eric, we've always kept in contact. His brother, who was the drum tech for Steve, you know, when you're on the bus with these guys, you know, of course, we all have each other's numbers. <laughs> and so one day I was at work and I got a call from um, Eric Preto and he said, hey, Charity, how you doing? I was like, Eric, you know, we were just catching up. And he said, I just want to make sure that this is still your number. Um, Rich is doing this project called the Magpie Salute. And I just wanted to make sure, you know, I'm not sure if he's from my, from what I, from what I know, he wants to reach out to you. And I just wanted to go ahead and give him your number, but I wanted to first verify that it, that this number was still good. And I said, Hey, it's been good since 2005. <laughs> and um, he said, okay, well, you know, um, I'll give him your number. And, you know, we caught up a little bit, just conversation talking about his brother. Cause you know, they're from Atlanta and I now live in Georgia and we've always, you know, it was crazy when I moved to Georgia, I was like, Hey, you know, Eric, Sean, I'm in a, you know, I'm in, I'm in Augusta and they're only two and a half hours away. So we always kind of kept in contact. And I think what it really was, and it's funny that I just remembered this, he was teching for Rich for his solo project. Rich played, it's a little, it's like a, a college town in Macon, Georgia. And so Prado reached out to me and said, hey, Rich is going to be close to you in your area. And I was like, I would love to come up and see his show. And so I went up and I, I drove up to Macon to see Rich's show. 
and it was just him solo. And he, like I said, he had Eric Tekken for him and me and him caught up for a couple of minutes there. But I believe if I'm not mistaken, one thing that Rich told me and the reason why he reached back for me was because when he was out doing his solo thing, I came up to see him to support him. And that meant a lot to him. So um, when he called me, he actually said that. He was like, hey, Charity, how you doing? I was like, hey, Rich. <laughs> you know, we caught up in regards to the kids and his wife, Diani, and so forth and so on. And he, he said, look, I, I'm, I'm putting together this group. We're called the Magpie Salute. He said, it's going to be 11 of us. I was like, wow. Okay, that's a lot of people on stage. And he said, there's there's two other girls. He was talking about Kat and Adrian. And he said, um, but I really wanted to bring you back. He said, not because, you know, when he talked about me coming to support him. He said, but you're, you, you have such a kind heart. You've always been, you know, you've always been there. And not only that, you know, I think that adding you to the mix will, will give it a little bit more, you know, soul as well. And I said, absolutely. And so um, I said, I would definitely be interested. And um, he said, okay, so I'm going I'm to go ahead and send you over some of the music and, and send you over the girls' numbers. And, you know, you guys can, you know, do some Skype sessions, which is what we did. We literally did Skype rehearsals on Skype, me and the girls. <laughs> And um, he, he told me, he said, you know, the first shows that we're going to do are is going to we have them. We have a book for New York. But the crazy thing about that is the one show that they had did, it was like he got so there were such rave reviews of, of to where he had like all of these different, you know, concert halls calling him like, hey, we want to book you guys. We want to book you guys. We want to book you guys. And he's like, wait, 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 slow down. This was just a whole bunch of people getting together. You know, you know, Eddie and and everyone getting together and he that's that's really, I think, what made it, you know, a vehicle was that as soon as they did those those first three, those first two, three shows, it just the response was so over flooding that he just made a decision that, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and see how this works out and make this band and. And then the rest, you know, was history. You know, and, and unfortunately, Ed passed before that really got up and running. But you got to be with, around Ed for about a year. Just tell us some something funny about Ed, because everybody has a funny Ed story. Ed, you know, Ed was just, he, bless his heart, that, that man, I mean, he would just, it was amazing how before Soundcheck, he would just be, out on the stage just playing and the one thing that that ed loved to say was right on man right on you know um <laughs> he was he was he was he was he had such a kind and sweetheart and the jokes that ed he would always talk about um kid rock because he was very close with kid rock and you know he would always have funny jokes to tell about you know with him and kid rock you know riding in his you know six four and you know, uh, different things and stuff. But Ed, Ed was, Ed was a musical genius. And it was so amazing because he had these big hands. And I used to tell Ed, I said, Ed, I have hands that I should be able to play the piano. And he was like, yeah, Jeremy, you know, I could teach you if you want me to. And I was like, I don't know when we're going to have time. But, you know, Ed, Ed was the one that, you know, he was always in a great mood. 
you could never catch him in a downward spiral of emotions. He was always wanting to uplift, you know, uplift you. If you were having a bad day or if sound check didn't necessarily go, you know, quite like, you know, um, I wanted it to, or if I felt like, you know, I should have been able to do something different that I didn't do. He was like, Daddy, you know, you got it, girl. You know, and because sometimes songs were brought up at soundcheck. Sometimes we learn songs right there on the spot at soundcheck, which is a lot of pressure when you got a show in a couple of hours. But Ed was always motivating. He was a he was a motivating force, and it was amazing how Rich would go off on a riff, and Ed would just follow him right where he's going. And they just had all of them. They just had such a, a strong musical connection that, you know, it's so it's it's sad to to see how the ups and downs that have happened, you know, throughout the years that um, it couldn't have been as consistent. But you know, look now, they're still the Black Crows, right? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, uh, speaking of, what's your what's your kind of take on that reunion they're doing that they've kind of surrounded themselves with entirely new people, uh, you know, be, on stage and off. I mean, are you disappointed that maybe uh, that wasn't something you got to be involved in? For me to say that it, it there wasn't some type of, you know, hurt about it, I would, I wouldn't be honest. Of, of course it was, it was like, Oh, they're getting back together. Oh, they're not bringing singers. You know, <laughs> um, you would always hope that, you would be the person that is called back. You know, I, I spent several years with the guys and then a year with the Magpie Salute. I I would hope that, you know, I would be, you know, chosen to, to be a part of, I don't want to call it the new Black Crows because it's not, but I would be chosen to be a part of this historical group. But... For those who have been there longer than me, you know, um, like Sven, knowing that he's not out on tour with them, for me, it was it was a little disheartening. I wouldn't be human if I if if I it wouldn't be I wouldn't be considered human if I if I didn't say that it's disheartening because we were not just a band; we were like a family. That band supported me through, as we would say, death, hell, and a grave. You know. I, I really wish that um, that I was that I was able to still be out there with them. You know what I mean? Because seeing Chris and Rich together is it's 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 a sight. It's a beautiful thing watching them on stage and for them to be in in a great place and and want to do music together. That is that's amazing. And I wish that I was a part of that. I really, really, really wish that I was a part of that because those, those guys are like my big brothers to me. You know, they always taking care of me. When my son passed away, they chartered a jet for me to get from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to San Diego. That wasn't something that they had to do. They paid for the whole entire funeral. Wow. That, that wasn't something that they, that they had to do. But because and that's and it's not about the money, but it that was a that was the only way that they could show it's their the gratitude. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's the principle. And even though I came right back out on tour, I think it was maybe the, the next leg. Um, they took such good care of my heart and me coming me coming back. 
And it was, we didn't even play Myrtle Beach for years after um, my son passed away in 06. We did not play Myrtle Beach. And people don't probably didn't recognize that, but we did not play Myrtle Beach. Amy would not book Myrtle Beach House of Blues. She would wow. not book it. Wow. And then there was one year when she came to me and she said, Charity, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, what's wrong, Amy? She said, we're going to play Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I said, okay. She said, are you, she said, if you don't want to sing, you don't have to sing. And I said, no, it's okay. I said, I need to, I need to face it, you know? So that whole group, you know, on, like we said, on stage and off stage, you know, everybody that was a part of that organization, they took very good care of me. And so it would always be something that I would want to be a part of. But I also understand that, you know, maybe it was a business decision. And I did, I did read up when they, when they got back together, I was like, wow, uh, you know, I would have, I would have thought hell would have froze over before that would happen. Not in a negative way, but it's just because both of their careers were going in separate directions and they both had such great success that um, I just didn't know or think ever that it would be in the cards. And like I said, Spin had been with them for, for so many years. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure that that it hurts. But when I getting back to what I was saying, when I when I read the article that they didn't want to bring anyone back out on the tour, and I'm not sure how true this is, but apparently this was Rich's words that was a part of any of their previous bands, including the Crows and the different, I don't want to say the different versions of the Crows, but the different band members that were in the Crows, you know, because I mean, come on, you know, there's there's Mark Ford. You know, there's Luther, there's been, you know, there's been so many of us, you know, um, that have been a part of either the Crows or, you know, the Mad Pie Salute or what have you, that I, I felt like they may have done that because they didn't want anyone to feel like they're being left out. So I definitely feel as though it was a very respectful decision from the side of having a bass player, a drummer. A, you know, somebody on the keyboards, lead guitar. When you look at that, those members have changed so much throughout the years. So it's like, how do you choose? You know, that's a very hard choice to make because of the long history of the Crows. How do you choose? How do you make that choice? So in regards to that side of it, you know, I, I felt like, okay, I can definitely understand but in regards to being a background singer that I've, you know, invested several years of my life with the Crows, it did hurt a little bit um, because I, I would always want them to think of, hey, let's bring Charity back because she's always been, you know, positive, a major supporter of, of our music and our solo projects. But not only that, you know, the girl can sing, not to toot my own horn. Um, oh, no, you but, can <laughs> but out of out of all the background singers that they've had since 2005, I've been me and my mom and uh, my sister Laura, who has stood in for me when I was pregnant, have been the consistent background source for them. So I would have hoped that you know we would have gotten that call either you know me and Laura or me and someone else. However, you know even though we didn't, I, I wish them all the best because they have been major supporters to you know me and my family 
Well, you know, you were there that 0506 tour. You know, a lot of people think it was the best tour that they ever had. And um, and you got to be a part of that. And then, you know, you got to be a part of the Magpie, which, you know, I, I saw you in New Orleans. Actually, I stood right in front of you uh, in New Orleans at the House of Blues. And th- the, those Magpie shows, they were they were done with such reverence to the material mm-hmm. and kind of to what everything was. And you guys, being the backup singers, added so much to that. And so Ian and I were talking before we got you online, you know, whenever we think about, you know, you and your mom, like it just, it brings good memories to us because it added so much to the music uh, and so much to the vibe, which was one of the best things about going to a Crow show was the vibe. And you knew you had these powerhouse singers that can handle anything. Personally, I know Ian feels the same way. Thank you for all you, you did to help, to help us with the Crows and, and the music because it truly, you got, you guys were truly like a member of the band. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, that, that is, I'm not going to lie. Oh, five and oh six was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I think it was so amazing because we like the shows were, people were, people were not, were just excited to hear this music again, but you know, the band just the gel of the band and how, how the, how well they all played together. It was, there wasn't a lot of jamming then, and I think that, you know, from time to time, you know, we, we probably did more of that further down the line, but it was pulling out those songs out of the catalog and people getting to hear them all over again. It it was, those were some great years. I feel like all of the years were were really good, but, you know, when you first step down and hit, come on, when you have Steve Gorman on the drums, <laughs> like... <laughs> there, it's, it's it's coming. He's coming with some fire. Um, it's, and it and it's it's the thing about it is like the vibe between Chris and Steve. Like people don't people don't really understand when you're a singer and you you're singing in that pocket of the song. Sometimes it could be the piano. Sometimes it could be the drummer. But it's that though the drums and the piano play such a very important part for you really being able to pour out your soul and really be able to connect with your audience. It, the reason why they call it a band is because it's everyone together as a team. And you know, 05 and 06, I mean, whoo, years. <laughs> oh. It's true, and and the way, the way that's a very very accurate description of that. But that's also the way that I felt when the Magpie Salute first came because I was I live in New York, so I was at the very first Magpie Salute show at the Gramercy Theater, which is, I guess about three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if you I'm sure you remember, started with a a, a tribute to to Ed, yes. and then they went into descending, and that was probably my whole oh. time being a, being a Crows fan was one of the most emotional things I've ever felt in a musical setting and 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 it's it's it was exactly like that 0506 so that must have been something really to be a part of it it it, it was that was a it was really hard to sing because you know i don't know if, and i'm sure if you like you said you were a part of that show i'm sure you heard vocals on songs that you never heard background singers on before that's right um, and, and definitely different arrangements of background vocals on certain songs and descending descending was one and it was hard to play after we did that opening i mean hard to sing 
after we did that opening and that tribute to Ed, I was really choked up. I, I want to. Re- I do remember shedding a couple tears, and I'm like, "Okay, Charity, you got to sing," <laughs> you know. But it was it was definitely it was definitely rough. But the thing about it is, even though we were the Magpie Salute, you know, Rich has written some amazing songs, and I have had you know time where I've sat down. And I asked Rich, especially when we added background vocals to Bewildered. Um, and had conversations with Richard. And I, I was just asking, like, so what were you thinking when you wrote this song? Like, where were you, you know, in your life that made you get inspiration to write this song? Because Bewildered is such a, a dark song. But he was told me, he was like, I was in a, in a very happy, happy place, you know, with, <laughs> with his, his wife, at his then wife at the time. And and I was like, gosh, how do you do that? Because normally when people write, they normally write about what they're currently going through you know that's funny because it's like when I when the, it reminds me of a time when we, we had that conversation and I want to say that we were in Paris actually and when we sat down and we talked about it he was just saying you know his, his ex-wife she was a model and you know he was in a very very happy place and he actually just met her and and I'm like wow or he, he was they were either they had just met or they were really getting serious. And I was like, wow, and you wrote Bewildered? <laughs> like, <laughs> it just didn't add up to me, you know, but... <laughs>
you know, I will say that um, being with the Magpie Salute, I, I the songs that I loved with the Crows, I loved, you know, even more. There's a lot of there's a lot of songs that you know um, Rich has written that had got me through some some different phases of my life, especially after losing my son and even during that time. But I, I will say this, you know, I, I miss I miss both bands. <laughs> I really do. I miss both bands, honestly. Well, Charity, you were telling us before we went on the air that uh, your husband has a podcast. And you've been known to pop on it every now and then. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell everybody about that? So the podcast, um, it's it's live from the DS, um, literally live from the DS on Facebook, and we stream. We we go live every Sunday um, around seven ish. And my my part of it is I actually sit on the on the panel as I call the panel um, of with six other guys. <laughs> And uh, my husband is is one of the members, and it's all of his high school friends who are around his age because we're in our early forties. And this podcast is more so of um, dealing with different issues uh, that we see in our community. Of course, relationship issues that seem to be the hottest topic of you know the man, not the man, the versus women, but you know just the different the different views and, and the different ways that, you know, people get into relationships. We, we talk, we, it's very, like I said, it's a very risque podcast. We try to make, I'm, I'm normally there to kind of make sure that they don't offend anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm the checks and balances person, but more, more recently I have become a standing person on the show. At first I was just the charity chime in and I would just chime in. But now I'm literally, you know, on camera and we're talking about, you know, hot topics. The the good thing about this podcast is that it helps with relationships with your family, relationships with your peers, relationships with your spouse or insignificant other. Um, we've had a couple of shows where we even touch some of the more risque topics that I would say that have to do with, you know, the um, the gay community and how how we should embrace them and just getting a better understanding. Um, so we talk, we talk on all topics and the good thing about it is that we're on every Sunday, but we try to go on by seven 30. And then sometimes we have what we call the, the DS after dark. Um, we also have an Instagram live at DS and I'm actually really liking it. You know, I'm thinking about making my segment, you know, starting to make my segment more about music it's something that I've thought about um, because I know there's a lot of people out there that want to get involved and, and want to do something with their talent and they don't know what to do. And we really do educate a lot of, of people. And it's, it's more so that each one of the gentlemen, they all host a show. It's not just one person that's like the host and then the, you know, you have the, the anchor it's like everyone sits at a, a round table and it's, it's real. it can be really raw, but um, we'd love for people to comment and, and be engaged. And also it, it's about really showing the positive side of a, of an African-American, you know, male and what they need to do to stand up to be better fathers, better husbands, better leaders in the community. And not only that, you know, Sometimes, you know, unfortunately, African-Americans, 
especially black men, can get a really bad rap. And it's like, hey, these are six intelligent black men that are on this show that are doing it right. You know, doing it right in their, with their families and taking care of their responsibilities. And it's really just a reach one, teach one. Well, I definitely think after uh, this one aired, you may see a bump in, uh, in people coming online to, uh, <laughs> to watch. Oh, thank you, guys. That would be amazing. Um, it really would be, like I said, live from the DS on, on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to YouTube, which is live from the DS. And, you know, pretty soon we'll be coming from our own um, platform which I'm working on that because, you know, guess what? I'm also the PR person. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I got my hands in everything, right? In terms of uh, uh, any musical endeavors since uh, the Magpie finished up and things, what are you up to in in that respect? Well, I have a a couple independent projects that I'm beginning to look into. You know, music is always in me. I'm always singing and Sometimes I can get so busy with just my my day job, work life, because um, like I said, I live in Georgia. I'm not, you know, dead center in Atlanta. So sometimes I can get just really busy with my family life that, you know, I neglect. I feel, you know, my musical capabilities. And so I, I'm starting with a my, my two my my 2020 vision is I'm working with a young man and we're kind of putting together um a group and I'm kind of looking to see where it's going to go. Um, he sent me a couple of tracks and stuff. And, um, I really want to do a, get, get into an independent solo, um, thing for myself and just say, Hey, let me try it. Let me step out there on, you know, my, my faith. I feel like, you know, with my mom's resume and my dad, which some of you guys don't know, his name is Terry young. Um, if you look him up, you'll be amazed as well. With my dad's resume, um, I, I do definitely feel and I know that you guys will be hearing something from me soon. <laughs> um, just just based off of, of that, I was even talking to my mom um, the other day. And I think that this family of musicians here are going to be pretty, pretty busy in 2020. Well, you know, as soon as you have something ready to go, you shoot us a message and we'll talk about it and we'll have you on again. You have been, you've been a just absolute treat to talk to. Absolutely. Um, I mean, thank you for all that you had, did to uh, to help with the sound of the band because you you played you were another instrument up there. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we finally were able to you know lock down a time and and again my apologies, guys. You know, I'm if you guys ever seen on my page, I rarely post. Um, and it's not that I'm not here. It's just that I'm always so busy. Sometimes by the time I get on Facebook, it's late at night and I'm laid in the bed and I fall asleep with the phone in my head. Um, so please, 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 please fault, fault my mind and not my heart. Um, when it comes to getting back in touch with you guys, because I know that it's been a little bit of a time and you guys reached out to me earlier and I agreed to it, you know, and I I told myself I need to reach out to them and tell them like, Hey, whenever you're ready, let's do it. You know, that's what I did. And so, I had to carve out time for you, but I appreciate you guys carving out time for me. We well, we greatly appreciate it, and we usually let the um, guest for the week uh, dictate what our outro song is going to be. So, just off the top of your head, what's one of your favorite uh, Black Crow songs that you like singing on? That you wow. like singing on? 
that I like singing on halfway yeah. to everywhere, of course. Oh, well, <laughs> I will dig out the best version I can find of that, and we'll play that as the outro. And again, thank you so much for coming on with us. We really do appreciate it. All right. I appreciate you guys. And, you know, reach out to me anytime with anything that you need, okay? All right, everybody. Thanks again to Charity Co. and here to play us out. Only halfway to everywhere. Stay tall, everybody. Uh-huh.